So about this time of year, 18 years ago, we learnt that Chantelle was pregnant with our first child of three. And like most would-be or soon-to-be first parents, during those months of pregnancy, a lot goes through your minds. I'm sure a lot happens to the body of, uh, of the lady as well, as, uh, as things progress, should, it, should I say. But one of many things that you're trying to get your head around and trying to plan for is, first of all, is, um, hello Marley, is, uh, <laughs> is first of all, what I'm going to have. Is it going to be a boy? Is it going to be a girl? And then the other thing that kind of goes along with that is what, what are we going to call him or what are we going to call her? And for some reason, both Chantal and I, we, we just were convinced that we were having a girl. We didn't know this, no scan had uh, showed that and we didn't ask for it and wanted it to be a surprise. But I think both of us just thought we we're going to have a girl. And so we were really, really well prepared with girls' names and we managed to narrow it down to one particular name which we're quite delighted that actually a boy came because we, we've sort of gone off that girl's name, as it were. So, so when Sam was born, we were both ecstatic, delighted, just, oh, this is fantastic, just so celebratory. But at the same time, we didn't have a name for him. And no joke, for about three days, he was known as Baby Daniels or Boy Daniels. And in those days, uh, Chantel, as the mum and the baby, they would have, um, <laughs> Marley is now whining for the dregs of a cup of tea here. That's what's happening here. Chantelle is now recording, now trying to supply the needs of our silly dog. And hopefully this will pacify him. Good, we can now continue. So Chantelle was in hospital with baby uh, Daniels. And I was still going back to school teaching each day. And the pupils would ask me, they said, oh, sir, what do you have? I said, oh, I had a boy, what do you call him? I was like, don't know yet, haven't decided. And they used to say to me, no joke, sir, sir, why don't you call him Jack? You know, you know, Jack Daniels. And I'm like, <laughs> mm, good idea, but no, that's certainly not happening. And it wasn't until about three days later that uh, Chantel's brother, Uncle Peter, uh, helped us uh, name Sam, Sam. Sam is derived or is short for the name Samuel, which means God has heard. You see, there's power in a name. Names stick and names carry power. They carry weight and there's usually some meaning attached or, uh, uh, to, to the name. And Joseph knew this. He gave a lot of thought and a lot of intent into the names in which he gives to the two children that he has, which we're gonna look at as we continue our series about the life of Joseph as we look at we'll get through this. Next week will be our concluding week and I kind of want to tie things up uh, over today and uh, next Sunday. Let's take us back to where we were two weeks ago briefly to say that Joseph has been released from prison. Uh, he's had a conversation with Pharaoh. He's interpreted the two dreams that Pharaoh has had which interpreted literally meaning God was warning Pharaoh that uh, there would be seven abundant years of harvest for the people of Egypt, for the land of Egypt, and that uh, that would be followed by seven years of famine. And Joseph interprets that, and then he suggests, he goes a step further, and he suggests to Pharaoh, it would be a really good idea to store up some of that abundance, some of that oversupply, so that during the seven years of famine, we'll get through this and that they would survive as a people. Pharaoh appoints him, literally takes him from prison and appoints him uh, prime minister 
and puts him in charge. And so that's where we're at. You can read that for yourself in uh, Genesis chapter 41. He travels through the land, storing up grain wherever he goes, and he's entrusted with great power and authority. He's 30 years of age at this time, and uh, it begins the start of seven years uh, of abundance. During that time, Pharaoh gives to Joseph uh, a bride, uh, the daughter of Potiphera. Uh, the bride's name is Asenath. And during that time, they have and they begin a family. We pick it up, Genesis 41, verse 50. Before the years of famine came, two sons were born to Joseph by Asenath, daughter of Potiphera, priest of Hong. Joseph named his firstborn Manasseh and said, It is because God has made me forget all my trouble and all my father's household. The second son he named Ephraim and said, It is because God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. And it's these two names that I want us to spend just a bit of time camping out on. The first is Manasseh. God has made me forget all my troubles and all my father's household. In another interpretation, it says, God has let me forget all my troubles. It's hard to fully appreciate and interpret the exact meaning to these names and these words. But I think it is fair to say that Joseph had gotten to a place in his heart and in his mind where he had journeyed the pain and the suffering in which he had been caused to him. I find it interesting in the second part that he actually mentions uh, his actual family and possibly of all the hardship which he had endured over those 13 years, the betrayal of being sold into slavery by his own flesh and blood was possibly the thing that caused the greatest wound. And he is able to say, he is able to forget the past. Over the past weeks, we've sought to try and learn from the life of Joseph. What is it that kept him, uh, kept him sane and kept him journeying towards health and a prosperous future? You see, he could so easily have gone down the road of bitterness and regret and uh, uh, just, just a, a really a real hardening of the heart, but he doesn't. We have said that he, uh, he practiced the long game. He knew his God-given destiny, the dreams which were given to him. He must have held those in his mind and worked towards that brighter future that was to come. We have learned time and time again that God was with Joseph. And that was his presence, God's presence in Joseph's life, which really was the, was the secret to, to his uh, favourable and fruitful life that he had. And the other thing is to say that simply Joseph remained faithful. He was incredibly faithful and uh, chose to follow after God's heart in his actions and how he conducted himself during those years of hardship. He is in a place over those years where he is able to move on and forget the past. Uh, to quote Forrest Gump, we've said this before, and those of you who've watched the brilliant, brilliant movie, when he embarks on that incredibly long running journey that he goes on and his hair gets longer and the beard gets longer, and at the very end he stops and he reflects and he's having the conversation on the bench with the person beside him with a box of chocolates and all the rest, and he <laughs> quotes, my mama always said, you've got to put the past behind you before you move on. 
and that running journey was part of what it what helped Forrest, uh, figuratively speaking, in the movie move on. Let's look at the Bible. It's a bit better of an authority. It says, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles. Let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus. It's not easy to simply forget the past. It's not easy just simply to go, oh, sure that happened. The past is the past and what it does in us, what it hardwires in our brains, in our emotions, and our hearts can be devastating and can impact our lives and the way that we choose to live our lives for years and years and years. Spot a certain trait in a person that we think mm, that's a bit interesting. Usually you can go back and see there was a reason, there was a wound that was inflicted, there was something that happened and it's not easy simply to just say, oh, let's just forget the past. It requires action. It requires help sometimes. It requires professional help. And our dog now is mauling <laughs> our camera person. <laughs> I think you need to do something here, Chantel. Like, maybe some treats. Marley, go away. Come here. Come here. Come here. Up up. Where's your toy? Is it going to a branch or something? Sorry. <laughs> I was talking about something really serious. Okay. How am I gonna? <laughs> Two things. Firstly, he must have practiced forgiveness. Often the wounds that are inflicted to us are done by someone else. And I know from my own experience and from talking to many, many people that actually, in order to help set us free, we need to release forgiveness to those who have hurt us in the past. And it's really clear in the chapters that you read following on from here, when Joseph does interact and meet his brothers again many years later, that he has forgiven his brothers, he has forgiven his own flesh and blood. And it's really, really important that as we move on from the, from the pain of the past, very often we have to exercise forgiveness. The second one though, is gratefulness. He must have practiced that ability to be grateful for the things that he does have. Uh, Paul writing to the church in Philippi says, I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. It's fair to say that over this past year, many of us have, have done without certain things. Uh, for some, it will be the luxuries of life. It will be holidays, meals out, etc., uh, etc. Et for others, it actually is the, the basic necessity of food itself. We have gone without. We have gone without regular meetings with one another, with our friends. The very things that we would usually take for granted, we have had to do without. Our children, our young people, they have done, have gone without their regular contact with friendships. They've missed out 
on an education that they used to having. And they have gone without regular sports, hobbies, what it might be. We're all uh, suffered in some way, shape or form. It's been forced upon us, but it has provided us with an opportunity to be content regardless of the circumstance and situation. We do hanker after these things and yes, oh please God, may we be able to return to some degree of normality and have some of those things return in our lives. But during this time it has forced us to develop rhythms and practices where we can still be content. How do we do that? By what Paul wrote at the end of that passage in Philippi. Uh, Philippians, I can do all these things through him who gives me strength. His second child, Joseph's second child, was called Ephraim. It means God has made me fruitful in the land of my suffering. And God had made Joseph fruitful at that moment in time when he named that child. He had become the prime minister. He had, along with that, had attained great wealth, no doubt, and had great things. Fruitfulness in that regard could easily be said as possessions. But fruitfulness doesn't always mean uh, possessions or money, but it does speak of an abundance, an overflow in life. And Joseph, during his suffering, through suffering, through the other side, had encountered and experienced and received fruitfulness. as he had suffered greatly. Egypt was the land of his suffering. And the question is, what's our land? Where do we experience the suffering? It might not be a geographical place as Egypt was for Joseph. It could be a diagnosis. It could be a relationship. It could be a condition, an event, an emotion, something that's going on. That for you could well be the land of your suffering. The central message of this entire series has simply been this, that often in pain and suffering and hardship, God does his most wonderful stuff in us. Let us remind ourselves, it is not he who brings it, but often he works in it and through it to bring about an abundance, to bring about fruitfulness in our own lives. I was with someone today uh, this morning walking uh, our dog as you have seen featured today uh, <laughs> on many occasions and uh, we we're kind of having this conversation and I said I, I am really looking forward to the time when we can gather again together meet one another and I'm looking forward to hearing the stories and, and learning about what it is that God's doing in our lives right now many of us we don't perceive it many of us don't see it right now and I do think that whilst it is difficult, and whilst it is painful, whilst it is just, ah, I think God is up to something in us during this time. He's speaking to us, he's revealing himself to us, and he's inviting us again and again and again. Will we draw near? Will we lay, our down, lay down our lives for him? And I look forward to seeing on the other side, as we journey through this time, to see what is it that God's doing in us and what are we going to see come, what fruition, what fruit is going to be uh, bared as we see in our lives and in our communities as time goes on. We're going to get through this. 
hang in there, be patient, stay connected, love one another, love him, and uh, hope that you have a great week and that uh, we'll catch up with you again soon as Marley is now whining again, probably for more attention. Why don't we pray? God, we thank you for Joseph's story, his, uh, his legacy, his example to us. We pray, God, that you'd speak to us personally right now. Just take something which has just leapt uh, off the page, as it were. If there's something that you're inviting us into or something that you're calling us to do today, may we be obedient to your voice. In Jesus' name, amen.